Welcome to Straight Guy Queer Eye. I'm your host, Paul Yen. This is episode 16. We always start off with an important ethic statement. I want to acknowledge that being straight gives me privileges that the queer community does not get. I know that I will never fully understand the trauma, the drama, and all the other homophobic garbage that queer people deal with every single day. I am not an expert in queer culture. I am also not a therapist, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a doctor, or a historian. You'll find out why later. As host of the Straight Guy Queer Eye podcast, I'm just here to introduce people to shows that have impacted me and that I love. More importantly, I'm here to listen and to learn about the queer community, and I hope to pass that knowledge on to like-minded people who want to make a difference in the queer community, their own community, and especially in their own lives. Corrections from last week's episode. If I didn't make it clear, the Queens didn't actually write or create an autobiography in a week. Um, what they did was they created a concept for their autobiography, as well as create the cover to embody that concept. Also, in um, the things that, that stood out to me, I said Coach Couch when I actually meant Couch Coach. I'm such a dork. Five queens remain. Sadly, Jessica Wilde went home last week. Jessica Wilde's parting lipstick message was, I love you girls. Viva Puerto Rico. Right off the bat, they lean into the drama between Tatiana and Raven, the, uh, the, the producers of the show, is what I mean. Raven says out loud that she was expecting Jessica Wilde to be in the top three finalists, which is a direct diss towards Tatiana. Tatiana says she doesn't give a fuck what anybody says. To be fair to Raven, Tatiana did act surprised when Rue said she was safe. Um, and, and that she won the lip sync battle. I honestly think um, that she did win the lip sync battle, but at the same time, I do agree with Raven that Tatiana questioning Rue's decision to keep her kind of shows her lack of confidence. In the mini challenge this week, the queens have to match photos of this season's 12 queens to their baby pictures, including themselves. The most correct matches in the least amount of time wins. So just a reminder, if you've forgotten all the queens from this season, we've got Nicole Page-Smith, Morgan McMichaels, Sahara Davenport, Raven, who's still in the competition, Shangela, Sonique, Tatiana, Pandora, Jessica Wilde, Jujubee, and Tyra Sanchez, who are all still in the competition. And then we've got Mystique. Mystique's photo was the funniest to me because it's a baby picture with a picture of her adult head or face superimposed onto a baby's body because she lost all of her family photos due to a fire. So here are the results. Tyra got all 12 right in 57 seconds. Jujubee only got 10 right in a minute and 30 seconds. Pandora got 12 right in 1 minute and 24 seconds. Raven got 12 correct in 1 minute and 6 seconds. And Tatiana got 12 right in 51 seconds. So she beat Tyra by 6 whole seconds. So Tatiana is the winner of the Baby Face Mini Challenge. On to the Maxi Challenge. Rue comes in and gives the queens sort of a riddle and says that life goes by so quickly and before you know it, you're a golden girl. And in this week's challenge, the queens are going to get a chance to grow old gracefully. After introducing the special guests, Rue says that we're lucky to be living in a time where we can be more open and honest than before and that the queens have these men, who were the, the guests, 
and their generation to think. I'll cut to the chase. Last season, the queens had to make over some female fighters into drag queens. This season, uh, for season two, the remaining queens will be, quote, transforming these silver daddies into their drag mamas, unquote. It's a makeover challenge. And because NYX Cosmetics is sponsoring it, it's the NYX Cosmetics Golden Girl Makeover, to be exact. Rue expects to see a definite family resemblance. In addition to NYX Cosmetics, the queens can use their own drag, shoes provided by La Dame or La Dame footwear, and wigs provided by Wig Pro Collection. And because Tatiana won the mini challenge, she gets to pick first. She chooses Michael, who is a writer who Raven says is the pretty one. In gag, Rue then tells her that she also gets to pair up the remaining guests with the queens. So Dawn, a retired teacher and filmmaker, went with Jujubee because Jujubee whispered to Tatiana that that's who she wanted. And they're cool, I guess. Edward, a displaced mortgage accountant, went with Pandora. And the remaining two older men, according to Raven were probably the worst ones to get. Well, Dustin, a former ballroom dance instructor, went to Tyra, and Stephen May, an owner of a a real estate brokerage with full facial hair, beard and all, went to Raven, and Raven knows that Tatiana did it to be shady, and Raven says she's going to turn this motherfucker out. Rue tells the queens to show that charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent runs in the family and leaves the queens and their mamas to give them time to bond. In the workroom, the queens are all bonding and working with their new drag mamas. Stephen May, uh, Raven's mama, her drag name is going to be Golda LeMay. He shares that back in his day, during the gay liberation, he did what was called skag drag. Um, which he described as gender fuck, which uh, is wearing combat boots with feathery dresses. Uh, this guy, again, has a full beard and a lot of hair on his arm, so Raven spends a lot of time shaving that all off, while Tatiana's mama, Michael, who she picked because of his face and his eyes, walks with a limp and seems to be having trouble walking in heels. It kind of seems as though Tatiana's plan has uh, kind of backfired, maybe? According to Pandora, her mama Edward, whose drag name is Litterbox, with two X's, just like Pandora Box, has a bit of a dirty side, and apparently he hit on her. During the duet rehearsal, he was feisty and made suggestions that maybe they could flip their dresses up, so he was he was a bit wild. Jujubee's mama Dawn, her drag name is Contessa Touche. Jujubee's worried about his confidence level because Dawn wants to look elegant, but he's worried about looking fat and old. Tyra, whose drag mama is Dustin, has a really thick mustache. She's nervous and scared because she's never done anyone else's makeup. Tyra, that is. Uh, She's never done anyone else's makeup. And unfortunately, we didn't get to learn a lot about Dustin. While the queens are working and bonding with their new drag mamas, Rue comes in and drops the bombshell that the queens will also be performing in a mother-daughter duet lip-sync to RuPaul's song, Main Event. So on top of dressing up, doing hair, doing makeup, teaching how to walk in heels and how to be a lady, the queens now also have to get their drag mamas to learn how to lip-sync and choreograph some sort of routine into the duet. 
in 20 minutes, according to Pandora. Um, and according to Pandora, she only had 10 minutes with the song, which only left her with 10 minutes to work out or figure out a routine. This challenge is just like the challenge from last season where the queens had to make over the female fighters. But I think this one's actually much tougher because they're making over 60-year-old men who have zero experience in, in being a woman or, or dressing up like a drag queen. Runway category is, I'm calling it Golden Girl. I was wrong to think that last week's episode was the only six-judge panel. It's another packed house full of judges this episode. The judges are Merle Ginsburg and Santino Rice, who are the regulars, of course. We've got guest judge, um, the founder and CEO of Nick's Cosmetics, Tony Coe, and two legendary Hollywood stars, Cloris Leachman, who won an Academy Award for her performance in The Last Picture Show, who also provided the queens with clothing for the runway from her clothing line, The Cloris Line Collection, and Debbie Reynolds, who starred in films such as Singing in the Rain and How the West Was Won, and she was the mother to Carrie Fisher, also known as Princess Leia from Star Wars. First on the runway was Raven and Golda LeMay. Raven looked amazing as usual in an outfit that made me think of Sandy, you know, how she looked at the end of Grease, except Raven's a brunette today with straight hair. Uh, Raven's drag mama, Golda LeMay, tried his best, and you can't really knock him because he was struggling to walk in heels. I personally don't think there was a family resemblance because Raven looked a lot more sultry than her mama. There was definitely an attempt to make the outfits feel the same, but unfortunately, or fortunately for us, Raven brings way too much sexy vibes while she dressed Golda LeMay much more conservatively, I would say. During the judging, Raven revealed that they did use the same exact makeup, except they didn't use a pencil on Golda because she thought it'd be too harsh. Santino liked that they coordinated their outfits without matching too much because of their body types. Merle pointed out that we haven't seen the sweet side of Raven much until her drag mama brought it out of her in this challenge. Debbie Reynolds felt a kinship between the two of them. I won't make too much out of the duets because it honestly wouldn't be fair to the queens. Raven and Golda LeMay did fine. Golda did get tired towards the end, so Raven improvised and carried her backstage. Debbie Reynolds, who sings and dances, quite liked the duet, but did say that Golda wasn't gonna give Ginger Rogers any uh, type of a contest or challenge. Second up on the runway was Pandora Box and Litter Box. Immediately on their entrance, you can see that there was some resemblance, at least in their outfits, which looked like they were a magician's assistant's assistants. Both had on black skirts, although Pandora's was much shorter. They both had red sequined accents or features on their tops, fishnet stockings, strapped black heels, and they brought a playful comedy into their runway walk because as they were both exiting, Litterbox wanted to go back to present for the judges, but Pandora had to pull her away. It was all part of the plan. Pandora told the judges that she wanted Litterbox to look like a more mature version of herself. Debbie Reynolds said Litterbox looks like Debbie Reynolds. I thought Pandora and Litterbox had the most fun. I thought for sure even Santino didn't have anything bad to say. But of course, you know, I think he has it out for her. He thought that Litterbox was funnier and stole the show while Merle really enjoyed the high energy and the comedy during the duet, but ultimately said that her mother showed her up. Third up is Jujubee and Contessa Touche. 
I feel bad for Jujubee because I thought she looked pretty damn good. She had on a short, rounded black skirt with a purple sequin top that hugged her body. But then Contessa, she had on a pixie-type wig and was basically in a purple sequin muumuu. Maybe a little more contoured than a muumuu, but that's what I thought of when they walked out onto the stage. On top of that, her drag mama didn't wear heels, not even short heels. She was wearing black sneakers. You could see that he was not comfortable and let his insecurities that he was expressing to Jujubee in the workroom show. So there wasn't really a family resemblance to me. Tony Ko from NYX Cosmetics wished that Jujubee had given her a longer hairdo instead of the pixie. Unfortunately, once again for Jujubee, Contessa Touche during the uh, duet basically froze up and didn't lip sync the song or dance whatever they had rehearsed at all. Cloris Leachman thought Jujubee was exaggerating her lip syncing a bit much, and Merle pointed out that Contessa was meh. Fourth on the runway was Tatiana and Annalisha. Surprisingly, I did see a family resemblance in their makeup. As for their outfits, they wore the exact opposite from one another. Tatiana was back in a light brownish short skirt, but not too short this time, and had on a leopard print belt or waist wrap, while Annalisha's super long skirt and top were leopard print and had on a light brownish belt or waist wrap. Even though Annalisha had the limp, she seemed comfortable and even had fun playing with the judges. The judges uh, suggested that Tatiana should have used a lighter shade of lipstick for Annalisha, while Merle thinks that Tatiana did a better job with her drag mom's dress than her own dress. But Santino thinks Tatiana may have pulled it off this week. And a reminder, leopard print is when, you know, there's the black dots, but with the brown dot in the center. Keep on dropping that animal print knowledge, baby. Um... (laughs) During the duet, they had a fun idea where Tatiana pushed Annalisha out on a walker, but then once the bass dropped in the song, Annalisha got up and got into it, and again, she's got a limp, so good for her for being game to do this. Debbie Reynolds loved the walker bit, while Santino thought they had a great performance, and Cloris Leachman thought they were really funny. Fifth was Tyra Sanchez and Big Tyra. First thing, I think Tyra's drag mama's name is my second favorite after Litterbox. It's really funny because her name is Big Tyra, but she's tiny next to Tyra when they're walking down the runway. So I thought that was really clever. Second thing, I think Tyra did the best in terms of making them both look like each other. I mean, they were basically in the same outfit and they both had big afros, except Big Tyra's was a blonde afro. And of course, Tyra looked like Tyra, which is gorgeous, but... They both had a good time walking down the runway together. Santino loved the matching afro and pointed out that they were the only mother-daughter duo that had actual matching outfits. Merle thought that the makeup on Big Tyra might have been a bit too heavy. Cloris Leachman thought Tyra was really beautiful and gave her an unprompted 10 out of 10. So the so then Debbie Reynolds gave her a 10 out of 10 and so did Tony Coe. Tyra and Big Tyra did great on uh, for the duet. They had a lot of fun and were both confident. I did think they came in second compared to Pandora and Litterbox. Debbie Reynolds, again, who's a singer and a dancer, said their dancing and choreography was exceptional. Spoiler alert! If you have not watched the episode and don't want to know who wins and who goes home, I suggest you stop here. Rue says, at this point in the competition, it's not about who's the worst, but about who's the best. The safe queens this week are 
Even with the 10 out of 10s, Tyra was safe. Rue said she rolled over the competition, but Tatiana was also safe. Pun of the week goes to Rue for rolled over the competition because of the walker. And the winner of the week was Raven and Golda LeMay. Raven gets a second win in a row for a total of two wins now. Congrats to Raven. Tatiana clearly wasn't happy. I thought it should be either Tyra or Pandora personally, which makes me think about whether they purposely did this to create more drama between Tatiana and Raven, especially because Tatiana's strategy was to sabotage Raven. But you know, now that I think about it, Raven did tell the judges how she appreciated the opportunity to work with Steven uh, because of the importance of his involvement with the gay liberation. So maybe Rue took into consideration the bond that they also had during the challenge. Um, So Raven was able to one-up Tatiana despite her attempts to sabotage. Which means the two bottom queens are Jujubee, because Rue said she's special, but her and her drag mama were out of sync. Which sucks, because remember, Jujubee picked Don. And Pandora, because Rue said she was outshined by her own drag mama litter box. They lip-synced to Shake Your Love by Debbie Gibson. Man, it's so nostalgic to hear these songs that I loved growing up. I love this song, uh, Shake Your Love, and I also loved her song, Lost in Your Eyes. This is a tough lip sync because Jujubee and Pandora both consider themselves good friends and admit that it's tough and weird to lip sync against each other's friends. No one did anything crazy. There wasn't any sort of acrobatics or splits or anything. They both brought a lot of humor to their lip sync. But ultimately, Shantae... Jujubee stays, and Pandora sashayed away. In Pandora's exit interview, she said it's, quote, hard to get constantly harsh criticism, especially when you feel like they're being harsher on you than everybody else, end quote, and that, quote, she really did want to win, but what she brought here wasn't what they were looking for, end quote. These are the things that stood out to me. First, seeing these older queer men makes me think of my good friend Bob, who's now in his 80s. But even more so when Stephen May uh, shares that because he was there for the early days of the gay liberation, he knows what life is like being in the closet and out of the closet. And my friend Bob had a very similar experience. He was married to a woman at one point in his life. He had children. He did what society expected of him. But he also had the courage to come out to live his truth. And he was lucky enough to have an ex-wife who was also supportive of him. He's a good and kind man who I've known for over 20 years. He's been really open with me about his past. And, you know, though I won't go into any further details about um, his life here because it's not my story to tell, I just wanted to show some love to Bob and dedicate this episode to him. I will say that it's a reminder also that the queer community has been around for a long time long before the Bobs and Michaels and Dons and Edwards and Dustins and Stevens and Cheryls and Michelles of the world came out during the gay liberation, long before that. It's not some kind of a new phenomenon. This is where the disclaimer of me not being a historian comes in. I just wanted to give you all a little tiny background into the gay liberation. It was a social and political movement that took place in the late 1960s through to the 1980s and arguably through to today in 2023 still, sadly. This isn't hardcore history, so if I get any details wrong, I apologize. Basically, in um, on June 28th, 1960, 
the police raided the Stonewall Inn, which was a gay bar and hangout in Greenwich Village in New York City. The harassment of the gay community ultimately led to rioting and violence and, I believe, a fire, too. This led to further protests and the formation of gay rights groups throughout the country. Then the following year, in uh, 1961, same date, June 28th, on the anniversary of the Stonewall Riots, these groups got together in major cities across the United States, so Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, all over the United States each year after that to celebrate the Stonewall Riots, which ultimately formed the basis for today's Pride Month, which is in June. Although the Stonewall Riots are often considered the moment when the gay liberation started in the United States, it's really important to note that the gay community has been fighting for their rights long before then. As you can see, this was absolutely not an exhaustive look into the history of the gay liberation, but I wanted to point out that even to this day, the LGBTQ community is still fighting homophobic nonsense. And unfortunately, I don't think it'll ever stop as long as you allow hate and bigotry to continue. And here's the last thing that stood out to me. It was what Pandora said about receiving harsh criticism. First of all, I agree with her. Maybe she didn't get harsh criticism from everybody, but she definitely got extra harsh criticism from Santino. I thought it was often brutal and uncalled for, maybe because she isn't your standard beauty queen, so she got treated differently. Either way, I disagree with that so much. But the point that I want to make is this. To me, Pandora continued to bring herself to each challenge. She tried to give the judges what they wanted without losing herself. And that's what we've got to do every day of our lives to find that balance of giving what it is that the world wants from us without selling our soul or without losing ourselves. It's subjective from person to person, and only we can know what that threshold is for ourselves. Um, in my eyes, the fact that Pandora took harsh critiques each week without completely breaking down, then coming back the next week and trying again, I admire that so much. Raven made a comment uh, while Pandora and B were lip-syncing that Pandora doesn't have it. I disagree. The fact that she's strong-willed enough to keep going means she does have it, regardless of what anybody says. And if anybody is trying to tell you that you're not enough, that you're not good enough, or some other bullshit, I'll end this episode with what Pandora ended her time on RuPaul's Drag Race with. Fuck them. That's it for this week. We'll see you next week for episode 17. If you've been listening and enjoying Straight Guy Queer Eye, or even if you're completely new to the podcast, please subscribe. Share it with five people you know, give it a hopefully five-star review, rating, or whatever on your podcast app. You can follow Straight Guy Queer Eye on Instagram at SGQE Podcast. You can follow me on my personal Instagram at HelloPaulYen. I'd love to hear from you, so please send comments, suggestions, feedback to SGQEPodcast at gmail.com. And remember, be human, be kind. Be kind.